Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and even a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, which is actually at kristenesser.com, and on Instagram, where I'm pretty active, at Kristen Esser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. So I wanted to talk for just a few minutes about who I am and why I decided to launch this podcast. So I live in Southern California with my husband and three kids, all teenagers, even though the oldest, who is off at college, is going to be 20 next month. So as soon as I sort of accepted the fact that I'm no longer the mom of small children, but the mom of teens, one of them isn't even going to be a teen anymore. So that's the way that goes. I um, love to quilt and knit and do all the crafty things, and I just adore being part of the online community of crafters, of quilters and sewists and knitters. I feel it is just an amazing supportive community. As a matter of fact, my family teases me a little bit about my very sheltered corner of the internet where people, for the most part, only say nice things about your pictures on Instagram as opposed to comments that you see on, you know, news feeds or whatever. So I just love the supportive environment. I love the homegrown podcast and it helped me so much in my early quilting days. Um, So I'd like to give a shout out to Frances from the Off Kilter Quilt. I love her podcast and she was very encouraging about me starting a podcast. So there aren't very many of these homegrown podcasts anymore, but I just love the fact that they seem a little bit like just quilting chat with friends over a cup of tea, even though I well know that I know I don't really sit down with a cup of tea to listen to a podcast. I'm usually running errands or going for a walk or cleaning the house, but I love the idea that it it is just, you know, a chatting among friends. I enjoy the video podcasts that are available. Um, for knitting. There's a million of these knitting video podcasts and I find them really fun and where you can really actually see the projects they're talking about. But I find the audio format just so much more conducive to our busy lives. So I wanted to not only be a consumer of, of these types of, um, you know, podcasts and, and things like that and blogs. I wanted to, uh, you know, be a contributor. I want to put some of, um, what I have learned out there. And so that's the the motivating factor here. So I've been quilting for, oh gosh, I don't know, about eight years. And I started out with a simple patchwork quilt from Charm Packs, from French General. It is still the favorite quilt in our family. It has been washed so many times. It is so dreamy and drapey. And I actually learned how to make that quilt from a tutorial on the Posy Gets Cozy blog and from Alicia Paulson, if you're not familiar with it. And I actually just paid for this quilt pattern that just told me to cut up squares and sew them together, (laughs) which I didn't even cut up the squares because I was paralyzed by fear of selecting fabric. So uh, in a fabric store one day, I saw a charm pack. I'd never seen one before. I just love the fabric so much that I just bought one. And later on, when I got it home, I realized that if I just bought more of these, these fabrics already all went together and I could make my first quilt. And so that's what I did using her instructions um, 
for how to sew things into rows. I didn't know about a quarter inch seam. I had only done garment sewing and home deck sewing before then. And, um, but that tutorial, that written pattern taught me how to, um, you know, make a quilt sandwich and how to quilt it, which is just simple straight line quilting, a quarter inch on each side of each seam and, um, how to bind it, the whole deal. And I felt so successful. I just thought the whole process was so much fun. I just knew that I had to keep doing this. I thought it was going to be sort of a one and done. I had this check mark, you know, item in my head about, I want to make a quilt someday. So I thought that would be it. But then I sort of got bitten by the bug. And then I took a quilt class from a local quilt shop. And, um, and from then on, you know, there's just so much information online. So I just kind of haven't stopped. That's a little bit of my story of quilting. And, um, you know, we'll get into more things as we move on through this podcast. But let's just get this episode started. So let's get started with talking about what's on my sewing table. My most recent quilt finish is a charity quilt that will actually be at QuiltCon in February this month. And I love the story of this quilt. Apparently last year at QuiltCon, and maybe they do it every year, Michael Miller Fabrics gave away fabric to people with the understanding that they would sew them into blocks and then um, return them to Michael Miller. And they put those blocks into quilts. They, de they designed them and then selected a charity to, to receive them. So the charity this year is called Quilts for Cure, and it's um, headed up by my friend Holly Ann from String and Story. And, and she has a separate website for Quilts for Cure. And, um, you know, we're sort of online friends and she reached out to some people and asked if they'd be interested in sewing these quilt tops up. So I raised my hand and did that. And so I received um, a pile of blocks, some sashing fabric, backing and binding, and um, all from Michael Miller, thread from Aurifil, batting from Hobbs batting. And um, I did the, the borders and the sashing all in a navy blue, which I've never, I don't, you know, I'm not really a person that does sashing and borders very often. And I think I will be a person that does them even less now, <laughs> but the quilt ended up adorable, but there were some challenges along the way. Let me tell you. So first of all, um, navy borders and, and sashing, but really the borders, it just, it catches every little piece of lint and I had so many problems quilting this quilt which, which we will get to in a minute but just the fuzz from the batting was all over this so that was kind of crazy it's always a little tricky I think to do borders well to make sure that they lie flat and that they don't you don't have any creases so you know and, and of course when you know that this is going to number one go to Quilcon number two go to a child you I mean you just want to do your best work so there were some some issues with that but I, I I'm a piecing girl more than a quilting girl so I enjoyed sewing this quilt together so much every one of these little six and a half unfinished six and a half inch unfinished blocks were little works of art. It just, it really made me realize that I need to do some sort of an improv quilt. I was just so impressed with how much artistry went into each one of these blocks. So that was great. It was fun piecing it. The problem came when I went to quilt it. And um, even though I've done several machine quilting blog hops in the past, which you can find on my blog, 
to really practice those skills so that I could get more confident, I still am not a really confident free motion quilter. So I decided I was definitely going to quilt this with a walking foot. And I just couldn't quite figure out how to do it because the borders were sort of baffling me. I wasn't sure um, if I should do something that just started top to bottom, but then it would crisscross through the borders and into the blocks, the, the center part of the quilt. And I just thought that that was going to look really weird. And I struggled with it for a long time. I broke out my book by Jackie Gearing called Walk, and I looked for some inspiration there. And I found it. She had a few of these um, designs where you would break the quilt sort of into quadrants and you could uh, just quilt uh, each quadrant separately, which was a nice way of breaking the quilt down into smaller sections. And one of them was all based on straight lines and another one was a little more curvy. And I picked the curvy one. And the, the hardest thing about that design is to really get good curves in, with your, your very first um, stitching lines where you're breaking the quilt into quadrants. And so I did that. I was not 100% happy. And as I continued on with it, I'm just realizing this is not looking good. I am not happy with my work here. I'm, I don't think that this design is working like I thought it was going to. And so I picked it out and I don't pick out quilting very often, but again, I felt a little bit under pressure here for this to look good. So I started over with organic wavy lines. This is one of my favorite walking foot motifs where you just sew these gentle curves top to bottom or side to side, however you want to do it. And I ended up using this pale yellow thread just in the center part of the quilt, starting at the edge of the border and, and um, doing my wavy lines to the end of the blocks. And I did them every inch or so, and but not in the sashing, just in the blocks. And then I switched to a navy thread that matched the borders, because the last thing I really wanted was light yellow thread on navy borders where you would just see every wiggle and wobble and I did the organic wavy lines in the borders as well just separately and um, because they go top to bottom in the vertical borders and obviously side to side in the horizontals they sort of crisscross in the corners which gives kind of a cool look so it's a it turned out to be a very simply quilted quilt um, I didn't want it to be too dense because I just really wanted it to be snuggly for a little child and so so that's how so I ended up doing this and it it ended up being fun and zen once I sort of figured it out and I could just dive in and I actually love binding quilts so that last part of the process of creating that quilt of hand sewing the binding that's when I felt like I could really start to to give this quilt the love vibes that it needs because it's going to comfort a, a child with cancer so there will be seven of these quilts all of the other six probably much more beautifully quilted than mine. Um, two of the, the quilters, Holly Ann and Vicki Holloway from My Creative Corner 3, they are long arm quilters and so they did a little bit more of a custom quilting job and um, they are beautiful and I've, I think that all different kinds of quilting are beautiful and so is you know it's completely fine that mine is simpler also Jen uh, Quilton Jenny she she did one I'm, I haven't really seen her so I'm not I think she did um, do a little bit more of a custom quilting job on hers so so that is um, 
off to New York to Michael Miller's Fabrics, and we will see them again at QuiltCon. They're going to be hanging um, in the Michael Miller booth, and I guess promoting the fact that they're going to do this again next year. And then they will go back with Holly Ann, who will distribute them to very deserving kids. So while I'm talking about QuiltCon, um, I also wanted to mention that I am really excited that uh, I get to go this year. It's in Pasadena, which is a about a 45 minute drive from where I live so that's actually really nice that I can go and not have to really incur the hotel room part of it and um, this year I'm gonna go I think for a few days uh, it opens on a Thursday on Friday I'm actually doing a class super excited I've never done a class at a quilt show before it's on EQ8 electric quilt 8 which I have and I have started to use and I can already tell you that the interface is so much better than every other version of EQ. I've always had issues with the interface. It's not intuitive to me. I have to reteach myself every single time I try to use that program, but with this latest update, it is definitely better. I can remember how to use it more, but I am actually really excited about taking a class and and learning how to really design my own blocks and hopefully it will stick. It's with Amy Ellis. I think there's actually still a few openings. I keep getting emails about that. So I'm excited about that on Friday. And then on Saturday, my friend Minky Kim and I are doing a book signing in the CNT publishing booth. Um, my friend Minky Kim, who is actually just my neighbor down the street, and I teamed up a couple of years ago now to write a book called So Illustrated. And it's all about this technique of Minky's um, called Sewing Illustration, of uh, basically drawing with fabric and thread. And it's a completely charming Zaka style technique to embellish all kinds of sewing projects bags, pouches, or even just artwork for your wall. And maybe another podcast, I will tell the story about how we met and that book came to be. But um, for now, I will just say that we're doing a book signing on Saturday, uh, the 24th at three o'clock in the CNT booth. And um, so I'm super excited about that. I am hoping to help out Holly Ann, who will be working in the Michael Miller booth and uh, give her a break there. So I've got all kinds of fun things happening at QuiltCon this year and I'm super excited to go. As far as knitting goes, I am back to being a little obsessed with knitting socks. <laughs> I sort of rediscovered knitting socks a few years ago when I took a whip, a work in progress like this, or a UFO if you will, unfinished object that had been sitting around, this pink sock that had been sitting around in my closet for like a year and decided to take it on a plane when we were going to Kauai for vacation a couple of years ago. And I just fell in love with knitting socks all over again. So I should say that I love to knit socks until something goes wrong, till I drop a stitch, till I realize I've made a mistake, and then ripping back socks I find completely a nightmare. There's just so many live stitches, it's so hard to get them all back onto your needles without losing, I usually start out and I get about three quarters of the way around and then those final stitches start slipping down and I get so crazy. So. Um, I think that knitting socks is so fun because you never have time to get bored. You do the cuff until you're kind of sick of the cuff and then you um, knit the leg for, you know, a little while and then it's all the t sudden time to do the heel 
and the heel flap, which is how I usually do mine. And then I need 15 minutes with nobody bothering me to do that voodoo magic of turning the heel. And then I'm back in business and, you know, down the gusset, down the foot, close the toe, you know. So it's just like there's always something new happening with socks. And so that's one of the reasons I really like to, to knit them. And of course, because they're portable and things like that. I've never knit a sweater and I would like to someday, but these uh, small socks are like just so much more of a doable project. So I just finished up a little pair of what I call shorty socks, which only have about an inch, inch and a half cuff. And there's, these are for Chloe, who is frankly the only person besides me and the family who will wear hand knit socks. We do live in Southern California where you don't need a lot of really warm socks, to be honest with you. And Chloe will only wear shorty socks. So they are even faster to knit. So I knit her up a pair of those and actually just popped them in the mail yesterday as a little surprise for her to, to open at college. And so, um, along with some Valentine's candy. So I'm excited for her to, to get her hands on those. And then I cast on a new pair for me. This pattern is the Hermione Everyday Socks. And I'm really enjoying knitting it. I usually just knit vanilla socks, just plain cuffs, um, sometimes ribs, sometimes stockinette down the leg, but no patterns. And so I'm stretching myself just the tiniest bit to do these socks, which have a bit of a pattern down the leg and then on top of the foot. So that will be um, a fun challenge when I get to the foot part. But right now I'm completely enjoying the pattern. It's a four row repeat that is very easily memorized and I'm just loving the way that they are knitting up. And I'm also using some hand dyed yarn for the very first time um, and this is fingering weight and it's from an indie dyer I don't have the tag on me right now but it's um, many different colors there's blues and pinks and purples and greens and it's so interesting to see how all of this is knitting up so that's sort of another entertaining part of it so those socks are well underway and I'm enjoying that and I'm contemplating what I'm going to do next. Now my daughter is actually going to be going to Norway for a semester abroad next year. And we live in Southern California and have no appropriate clothing for a place like Norway. <laughs> so I am looking into some things that I could knit her that she could actually wear. So this is very exciting to me. Um, one thing that I want to do is to knit here a very large shawl. I'm thinking along the lines of the void shawl, which everyone says is just so much fun to knit. So I want to show that to her. There's a few other ones. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now that uh, I want to actually show her too. So I've never done a shawl before. As a matter of fact, I've never really understood shawls because I just keep picturing, you know, people like from little women wearing shawls around their shoulders. And I really just cannot picture that these days. But apparently people wear them more like really big scarves. And I think that is something that she could definitely use in Norway. The other project that I want to do for her are mittens and there's a pretty popular pattern going around right now. I think it's called the Selbu mittens. I need to double check that. I'll put the link in the show notes, but they are a 
color work mittens with a very Scandinavian feel to them. As a matter of fact, the designer is Norwegian. I've never done anything color work, so that will be a real skill stretcher for me, but something small like mittens seems like that might be a really good way to start. So I've got some ideas about where I want to go with my knitting this year, but for now I'm just going to keep knitting on those Hermione's Everyday Socks. Over the Christmas holidays, I felt like I just fell back in love with reading again. I've always been a reader. I can't even remember a time in my life where I didn't have at least one book going. But I kind of had stopped reading novels for a little while, and I love novels, and I was just reading a lot of um, nonfiction, ways of simplifying your life, and natural living, and you know, those sorts of things, which is all really good. But when I go to bed at night, I just want to not really think about how to improve myself, but just really lose myself in a novel. And so I revisited a series that I'd started a while ago, and then my library didn't have the next one, so I sort of lost traction on them. Um, and that is the series the um, by Louise Penny. It's the Inspector Gamache detective series. I love mysteries. I don't know why. I'm not a person that likes gory things in real life, but I love mysteries. And if you read my blog, I've been jabbering on about these books for a while, so please indulge me. So the Inspector Gamache series is, I don't know, nine or ten books, and I will admit that the first one, it's called Still Life, I probably started it three times before it really took, so I don't know what my deal was. I think I just wasn't in the right brain space for it, you know? But once I did, I just completely fell in love with this cast of characters of this little uh, town called Three Pines, and it, these books take place in Quebec, which I really want to visit now. I'm a bit of a Francophile. I took French in high school, I took French in college, and um, this series of books has just enough French in it to feel like I have justified all the years I have spent learning French instead of the more practical Spanish, which everyone else takes in Southern California. As a matter of fact, three kids in high school could not convince any one of them to take French over Spanish. So um, I'm on my own with my, my love of French here. As a matter of fact, I even took French when my two oldest kids were little and I just was in that, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I need to get out of the house, and I took a conversational French class at the local college here. So I have a long history of loving French things. So it takes place in Quebec. It is just, the little town is just so charming. The characters are really, um, inspirational but flawed if you know what I mean you know nobody's perfect here and um, the stories have lots of twists and turns and it is a series of books that gets better in the middle you know sometimes they don't always do that the first one's the best I do not think the first one is the best it's somewhere in the in the middle where some real um, plot twists start happening that they just really find their feet so I just completely love and recommend this series of books. I'm all caught up, which kind of breaks my heart. The only thing that is not breaking my heart is the fact that she's still writing them. So um, I'll, I just now anxiously anticipate the release of the next one. So then I've uh, moved on to a book that I just got on a Kindle, recommended from the blog The Modern Mrs. Darcy, which has great book recommendations and she actually has a little newsletter to tell you what are really good Kindle deals and so I got this it's called the bookshop on the corner and it's about this um, woman who's a librarian and she's a bit of a literary matchmaker 
which actually the Modern Mrs. Darcy blog does sometimes too, just really likes to match people up with books. So I'm only about a third of the way through that one, but I'm really enjoying it. And then on my nightstand is another book from a series that I sort of lost track of somewhere along the way, and that's the Outlander series. And so I finally grabbed the fifth one in that series, which is called The Fiery Cross. And I don't know if you've read Outlander. I really enjoy it. It can be a little racy, to be honest with you, which I don't really love that part of it, to be honest with you, but I do like the um, historical fiction aspect of it. And I just, I think it's a really great series of books. So that's kind of it for what I'm reading right now. In the homemaking part of this podcast, um, it's my hope to just really talk about routines and menu planning and how to get your kids helping out with chores and cooking dinners for you and all those sorts of things. But the thing that's working for me right now that I just want to mention is um, the concept of the, the fly lady routine. And I don't really follow Fly Lady the way she has it written, but I do love the way she has broken up your house into zones. And once you have once a week sort of given the whole house, what she calls a house blessing, you know, you go through and you do your dust and your vacuum and kind of set everything to rights, that you spend one week each month in these different zones. And this really appeals to me because I have somewhere along the line just really realized that if my house is going to be clean and organized and if I'm really going to stay on top of it, is that I'm going to have to most days spend some time on things that are not fun. And these are things like just, you know, going through the kitchen a drawer at a time, a shelf at a time, and just wiping them down, reorganizing, throwing away the stuff I I don't need, and things like that. And really, at 15 minutes a day, you can make amazing progress. I'm really one of those people that my personality is very all or nothing, and I fight against this constantly because I absolutely know that small things add up to big things, and that even if I only spend 15 minutes four days out of the week that is an hour I have spent deep cleaning my kitchen or my master bathroom or the garage or whatever the zone is for that week. And I'm also one of those people that really, like once I get going on the kitchen, I just want to finish the whole kitchen. But I've really been trying to train myself to the next week, move on to the living room, move on to the master bedroom, because you know what? That kitchen's going to be there next week, you know, or next month rather. And you can just really see the progress in each area of your house so that I don't drag my feet on getting the kitchen completely done and then just never do anything in the rest of the house for the rest of the year, you know, which is kind of what ends up happening. So I just really love this concept of working on a single zone for a week at a time, doing what you can because anything counts, you know, and when I come back the next month and I kind of realize, oh, look, you know, the silverware drawer still looks really good. So I don't even have to worry about that. And you can just really build some momentum and just really understand that keeping a house and a car and all the stuff, it just takes daily maintenance, you know, or at least weekly maintenance. It really does. And that is just really making me happy and feeling really productive. So I don't know if you've ever tried the fly lady. Um, her emails can get kind of irritating, but I really liked taking her concept and adapting it to what works for my life. 
So that's it for this first episode of the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find show notes for anything I talked about with links over on my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.